This is Todd from the Junkyard Outreach. Welcome and thanks for joining me. For more information and episodes, check out junkyardoutreach.com. Racism from a Believer's Perspective, Part 2. Matthew chapter 9, verse 9. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, Follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as Jesus reclined at table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to the disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. In this story, Jesus is doing a lot more than ministering to those outside the religious community. He's changing the perspectives of his disciples and the religious snobs. He spent a lot of time doing this in his ministry. You can read about it throughout the Gospels. And things which were so common or routine, he would flip upside down like the extortioner's tables at the temple who made it expensive to offer sacrifices to God. The disciples witnessed time after time Jesus crossing boundaries that they dare not cross, such as allowing them to eat grain from the stalks on the Sabbath, which flipped the lids of the religious elites. And in teaching many of these lessons, Jesus took action first and then explained it. And he did this because it was right to do these things. He wasn't going to sit there and give them a lesson. He's going to say, hey, let's do this. What? You can't do that? Yeah, I'm going to do it. Then after the fact, he would explain the things. He was teaching mercy, and having merciful hearts would allow the disciples to go on and do ministry in the same way. Now, let's consider a disciple of Jesus during his time. His disciples were Jewish, very different from one another, presumably not higher educated, not overly religious, not held in high esteem by those outside of the area of Galilee. There are also enemies who were among them. Simon the Zealot, for example, a nationalist who hated Rome, and then Matthew the tax collector, who we just read about, who was an employee of Rome. The Zealots hated the tax collectors. Yet these disciples would learn to accept one another and be used in a great way for the kingdom of God. And they spent three years with Jesus, walking around Israel, observing their master as he performed miracles, rebuked religious snobs, bucked Jewish tradition, reached out to people no matter who they were, and really stir up controversy wherever he went. He was the perfect teacher. But life for the disciples does not appear to have been easy. They had to give up everything to follow Jesus, and following him meant they would put a ton of miles on their sandals, walking all over Israel, and he taught them discipline. And notice the similarity of the word discipline and disciple. A part of that discipline was simply to remain quiet and obey his instructions as he did things that would stun them. He was changing their perspective. One great example of how Jesus taught the disciples a new perspective was following him to the forbidden land of the Samaritans. And the Jews and the Samaritans, they did not like one another. And they had historical hatred that stems from many years of animosity between the two. So he leads them into Samaria and he sends them into town. And then he has a conversation with a shunned woman, an immoral woman at a well in the heat of the day. Now to a Jew, a rabbi, which Jesus was considered a rabbi, speaking to a woman alone would have been scandalous. And speaking to a Samaritan would be an outrage. So how much more speaking to an immoral Samaritan woman in Samaria? Jesus was over the top. He's like, this hatred is not justified. And when the disciples returned, they found him talking to the woman. They were freaked out, like, what? But as a result of that conversation, he was invited to stay in Samaria and minister to many people. And after the resurrection, one of the disciples, Philip, he would return to Samaria 
and pick up where Jesus left off, resulting in many people receiving salvation. All that done with one act of love, willing to cross a boundary that nobody was willing to cross. And what the disciples saw was the love of God being offered to a person that they deemed unworthy. And they would see the joy brought to her and many in that city, where they themselves were probably not treated that well. Centuries of animosity changed quickly when they saw what the love of God can do. Jesus also tells a story of the Good Samaritan, Luke chapter 10, verse 30. Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jericho to Jerusalem, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him, bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, two days' wages, and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I'll repay when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And he said, the one who showed mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. So again, the story challenges our perspective and forces us to see that historical enemies can be lifesavers because they drop their ancient animosity and do what is right rather than being stuck in a rut of hatred that's not justifiable. I learned the value of a broad perspective when I was younger, I met people who had traveled abroad. I was fascinated with their experiences from around the world and just how much they knew about life by traveling and experiencing these things. It really was intriguing to me. So I made it a goal to travel and put in for some duty stations around the world. And after several years overseas, I separated and returned home. And that's when I noticed how pathetic life can be when all you know is home. My old friends weren't interested in hearing about the places that we've been or our experiences. They just want to do the same thing we did in high school. I'm like, come on, man, we're almost 30 years old. I was totally over that high school stuff, but they were stuck in that rut because they never got out and did anything. They never got out and experienced something new or met new people. They just stayed there and rotted. Also, during my military years, I met many people from a variety of walks of life and actually became friends with them. And we shared some really cool experiences. We learned a lot about one another's culture. When I began to understand their cultures, I felt like I was better able to evaluate what I believe was right and wrong about their culture. And all cultures have pros and cons. But appreciating people's culture makes it a lot easier to love them as family. And I have several friends from different cultures, different countries, different races, different ethnic backgrounds that I consider closest family. And I would have never connected with them if I had a narrow mind and dismissed their culture as inferior to mine, which is totally stupid. Yet how many people actually do this? We think our culture is the best. Our culture is not the best. Our culture is rotten. The things that we do in our culture, the average American's perspective, the average American's behavior, you go to other countries and they look at us like you guys are stupid and they're right. The things that we do are dumb, but yet we look down on a lot of them and say, we're better than you. That's the root of racism, that spiritual darkness that blinds our eyes to our own wickedness and allows us to pass judgment on people who are better than we are. So the value of a broad perspective is huge. And when we get that, when we're willing to step outside our comfort zone in humility and learn from those who are different from us, then we can establish a connection. And when that connection turns to friendship or at least respect, then we can build community.
And then we can see the value of diversity as God intended it to be. Strengths, helping weaknesses on both sides. Expression, helping lack of expression. Boldness, helping timidity. Those types of things. You have these things in in cultures that we look at, well, those guys are all whatever. Well, some of that whatever actually is healthy and can help us get out of our unhealthiness. And we can help them get out of their unhealthiness because that's what it's about. And when you are part of a good ministry, that's exactly what you see. You see people who are different, different races, different cultures, different everything come together. And that love of God that bonds us together in that bond of the Spirit, it unites us in a way where my strengths are now used to bless someone else's weaknesses and their strengths are used to bless my weaknesses, and you establish that community, you establish a family, and it has nothing to do with the way you look, the way you talk, the way you do anything other than the love of God in you. And it works. And we see that all the time, and it's beautiful. But those who are blinded by their own prejudice, they don't get to experience this. And they don't have the answer. The answer is Jesus. God created humanity to be a community, to commune with him and with one another. When we drop all of our BS and we look at people as real human beings with a real purpose in life, then we can establish those friendships and we will all be blessed. Thank you.